just for fun, a few things that have been going on. Just That's just in the last couple of months. There's a lot going on. If you're not part of it, you can jump right in there and become part of it. Uh, but that was just celebrating a few things that we had going on here real recently. Um, a lot of things going on with our students and our kids. So uh, if you're not part of that, jump in there and be part of it. You'll be glad you did. Obviously, we're looking at that today, playing that today, playing that song today, because celebration is what we're talking about today. We're finishing up this series. We've been in this series for um, several weeks now, Rhythm, Walking in Step with the Holy Spirit, and we've been looking at different spiritual disciplines in order to make that possible, walking with the Spirit to make it possible, to discipline our body unto the Lord. So the first scripture that we'll look at today, then we'll review the whole series real quick, and then we'll finish with celebration, is Philippians 4, chapter 9. This is Paul talking to the Philippians, and he says, notice the words here, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Jesus lived a life, and his apostles lived a life that served as an example of what to do in order to be effective followers of Jesus. Yes, we are saved unto heaven forevermore, but we have a life to live between salvation beginning and salvation being brought to completion when the Lord returns. And until then, we are to live a life, and we live a life in a sinful body. We are still in a sinful shell, so we want to train our body, discipline our body unto salvation, unto the Lord. So that's what we've been looking at. That's why we're looking at these different things. So we broke it down into two different categories, things that we fast from, things that we feast on, things that we fast from, things that we feast on. We want to fast from others, noise, food, excess, pleasure, security, and recognition. And we want to feast on the word, worship, prayer, service, fellowship, submission, and then today we're finishing with celebration. So as we look at these, we don't want to just fast from something just for the sake of fasting from it. That's religion. That's dead. That's a waste of time. Matter of fact, not only is it a waste of time, on the, on the far end of that, it's, it's detrimental to do things for a religious reason and nothing else. It will turn you into a hard-hearted, knowledge-head-filled, nasty religious person, and that's not what we want to be. We want to fast from things so that we can be other things. So let's see who remembers, a little teacher expert, well, I'll put my teacher hat on real quick. Others, we want to fast from others so that we can be, that's what I expected. Be alone. We want to be alone. Not alone, just alone, but alone to be alone with God. We want to fast from others at times so that we can be alone with God. We want to fast from noise so that... Somebody said it? Yeah, so we can be silent and be in silence so that we can be with the Lord and hear the Lord. So we want to fast from food so that we can... No way y'all remember this. Fast from food to what? Anybody remember? I thought I heard a youth say it. I was going to have a heart attack. Yeah, we want to be strengthened. Okay, We fast from food to be strengthened. There is spiritual power that is gained from physically fasting from food. Jesus fasted for 40 days prior to his temptation. He was at the height of what it is to be human and have spiritual power. So he fasted to do that. So we want to fast from excess so that we can be what? Somebody remembered. People that, people that are good at that remember that one, right? So the, you people that are frugal, today is for you, okay? Today is for you. We want to learn how to celebrate. It's okay. 
So we want to fast from excess to be frugal. We want to fast from pleasure to be pure because purity paves the way to intimacy in any relationship. Any relationship that doesn't remain pure is tainted, is scarred, is stained, whether it's a love relationship, husband, wife, or friend, anything, it doesn't matter. So we want to fast from pleasure and be pure. We want to fast from security, the safety, our safety net, and we want to be yeah, somebody said it. Not a girl. Five D Lane. Sacrificial. We want to be sacrificial. We want to fast from recognition because we want to be unknown. We want God to get the praise. We don't want to have to live for man's praise. Okay? Feasting on. So if you didn't get those, they're in the notes, fbcdan.com slash notes, and you'll have them right there. You can email them to yourself. We want to fast, uh, excuse me, we want to feast on the word so that we, next slide, can be what? Fed. Nice. That's like three out of 14. Great. Yeah, everybody's going to the notes and cheating. Feasting on word, on the word so we can be fed. We want to feast on worship so that we can be anchored in the storm. Regular worship anchors us in a stormy life. We want to feast on prayer. We want to be confessional to the Lord and to each other. You want to know how Asbury started? This revival that's been going on for a week and a half? It didn't start with anything fancy. It started with a few students who came up to the altar after everyone had left, and they started praying and confessing their sins unto the Lord and to each other. That's what started the revival. Not anything else. There's power in confession. You're scared to do it, but there's power in it. So we want to pray. We want to feast on prayer, be confessional. We want to feast on service because we want to be vital we want to be important we want to fill a role god has created us for a reason and service is that reason we want to feast on fellowship so that we can be connected anything in the body that is disconnected from the body dies and that's what we're called to be we are christ's body the church is christ's body you can't be disconnected from the body and be an effective christian period end of story end of story moving on we want to feast on submission because we want to be humble, because the Lord exalts the humble and he opposes the proud. So we want to feast on submission so that we can be humble. And we want, again today, feast on celebration so that we can be restored. Celebration is a restoration process. So summing up the feast, what do we want to do to be in the word? We want to be in the word at least four times a week, four times the minimum, spend a few minutes or a lot of minutes, but at least a few minutes, four times a week in God's Word. Worship as a lifestyle, praying constantly with confessional hearts and mouths, serving to fulfill our purpose, fellowship for the common good, and submitting to humility, to wisdom, and to authority. And then today we're looking at celebrating to be restored. Why are we talking about all this? Because it's common sense. It's common sense that it takes practice to get good at something. We were saved, but we weren't saved to just sit around and wonder how to follow Jesus. We have examples. We have things that we can do that will make us better at following Jesus. Amateurs practice until they've got it right, but professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. That's the difference. You take a pro, the consummate pro. Golf is what always comes to my mind because golf is so hard. They practice and practice and practice. I was watching this thing. There's a new documentary on Netflix. It's called Full Swing. And it followed a bunch of professional golfers last year, through the whole year. And there's a guy from England. I'm losing his name right now. Huh? Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. 
Matthew Fitzpatrick from England, young guy, he has documented every single shot he has taken since he was 15 years old. Not just in rounds, on the driving range also. So that he can find the little bitty 0.1% that can make him a little bit better so that he can succeed. He's practicing until he can't get it wrong. If someone will do that for a title in golf, how much more should we take seriously following Jesus and putting these things into practice for things that are eternal? Nothing wrong with practicing your craft to be that good, but it's for a wreath that fades and withers. Our wreath is eternal. Our crown is eternal. So that's why we're talking about all this. So again, today, feasting on celebration. What is celebration? We enjoy ourselves, our life, our world in conjunction with our faith and confidence in God's greatness, beauty, and goodness. It is where the good things of life and the world come together with our faith and where those intersect, that is what we're talking about. Celebrating the good things of life. Celebrating the blessings that God has put in our lives. Celebrating the blessings that God has given us in our lives. How do we do that, Pastor? What are you talking about? How do we celebrate? It's simple. You know how we celebrate. We come together over a fine meal. We sing. We dance. <laughs> we dance. We tell stories about what, is God, what God has done and what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. We celebrate what God is doing. Every Sunday, church, is a celebration. That's the way God ordained it. The rhythm of life is to come together weekly and have a mini celebration weekly. And then there are times where you set aside for focused celebration. Times throughout the year where we really focus on celebrating. More on that in a little bit. Now for some, now for, excuse me, now for some scriptures. Okay, that, Don't just take my word for it. Let's see what the word of God says. Because I know some of you didn't like that dancing comment, but I'll be alright. You can get mad at the word of God because that's what it says. So first we're going to look at Exodus 15. Exodus 15 is when Israel has just escaped the Egyptians. The all-time deliverance in the history of humanity. They've seen the sea part walls, feet, feet and yards high on either side of them. They walked across the sea on dry ground. Millions of them. They were a nation. Walked across on dry ground. They crossed it on dry ground. And then as the Egyptian, Egyptian army was giving chase and coming across to get them and to kill them and or bring them back to slavery, God, who was holding back the water on either side, let go of the water. And verse 28 of chapter 14 says this, The waters came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. None of them survived is what that verse said. God literally erased Israel's enemy right before their eyes. What was Moses and Israel's reaction? Their direct, immediate reaction to this. We find that in chapter 15, verse 31. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servants. And the very next thing... In chapter 15, that was 1431. Chapter 15, the very next thing that happens. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord. 
for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him, praise and exalt him for what he has done. And the next verse is my favorite verse in the whole song. This won't surprise you, those that know me. The next verse says, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Oh, it fires me up. It fires me up. Song goes on for several more verses. And then at the end of the chapter, we pick it up with Miriam. Miriam is Moses' sister-in-law, verse 20 of chapter 15. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with their tambourines and danced. Miriam sang to them. So, there you go. Song and dance is a way to express joy and celebration. Now, I know some of you, if not most of you, can't dance. <laughs> That's fine, but some of us can. <laughs> and we enjoy it. Now, there's a wrong way to do it. There's a theme throughout all of celebration. There's a wrong way to pervert and exploit celebration that's not what God intends and, that, and that's what the Baptist church was against 60 years ago that kind of dancing so let's not chase that rabbit but here we go next is Deborah and Barak I didn't put this on the screen but you can follow it with me Deborah and Barak Deborah the judge and Barak the military leader this is in Judges Deborah told Barak say hey buddy it's time it's time to go whip our enemy's rear end God has heard our cry, we're in the cycle, we're turning back to him, and now it's time for us to be delivered from our enemy. And he said, the wimp that he was at the time, he was a chicken like most of us would have been, he said, well, Deborah, if you go, then I'll go. She said, I'll go. So they go. And, well, this is in chapter 4 of Judges. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Herosheth, Herosheth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Then you skip down. That day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. Next, in Judges 5, what did they do after this great victory? Directly after this great victory, on that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang. They sang a song of praise and remembrance. Now, Israel goes on to 40 years of peace after this victory. 40 years. 40 years they enjoyed peace. Then the cycle repeats itself all through the judges, just like it does nowadays with us. No different. But it was peaceful for 40 years. And early on, you can guarantee, guaranteed, they sang this song often. Often they sang this song about how they had whipped Jabin's rear end. And the Canaanites were in, and they were enjoying the peace of God that comes from obedience. But I bet, I bet, as that 40 years came closer and closer, and they didn't know how long they were going to have peace, but I bet as this time of peace waned and they strayed away from God, I bet they were forgetting the song. I bet they were forgetting to celebrate and forgetting the great things that the Lord has done. I'd almost guarantee it that was the case. Then we move on to David. We love David. Oh, David. Great example of many things. What to do and what not to do. In this case, what to do. We've talked about this in depth before. We've looked at this, this, 
the significance of this story. But long story short, this was the most significant event in ancient Israel's history. When the Ark of the Covenant is brought back from the enemy and brought back to Jerusalem. The ark that, that held the tablets of the law of Moses was brought back to Israel, brought back to Jerusalem. It's really hard to overstate how big of a day this was for the Israelites. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. What were they doing as they were bringing the ark up the hill to Jerusalem? This is in 1 Samuel. You won't get there in time, but that's okay. 1 Samuel 16, verse 5. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of firwood instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. They were making joyful music. They were celebrating. They were excited. And then Michal, Saul's daughter, who was a peach of a human being, was jealous of David. Jealous of the, of the attention he was getting that he was garnering from the nation. She was jealous because her dad, Saul, was the king. And she criticized the way he was celebrating. Because there's always some haters. Always. When God is working and when his people are celebrating that God is working, there's always some haters. And lots of times it comes from what's inside the body. The worst slings and arrows are shot. Because there's always ravenous wolves among us trying to pretend like they're sheep. But you'll know them, especially when it comes to this. And she's criticizing David for his dancing and how foolish he's looking, she says. And then later in that chapter, after she criticizes David, David says, I'll celebrate before the Lord. The Lord just did something amazing, and I'm going to celebrate it. I don't care if you like it. I will become even more undignified than this. <laughs> I love the way he says this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. David said, you think I look silly walking down the street dancing? You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. I'm really fixing to let it go. I'm really fixing to have some fun. She didn't like that. Lord didn't let her have kids, by the way. <laughs> Interesting. What am I saying? I'm saying... It's okay to celebrate and have fun. God did not call us to be sour, lemon-sucking, sour, puss-face-having Christians. That's not what we're called to be. If, you're, if this is the existence of your Christianity, you're missing the point. It's not like that. There are days that are difficult. There are seasons that are so difficult. But that's why we have to take time to celebrate. We have to take time and the effort and the energy to celebrate, to remember how good God is, to remember what God has done, to think about what God is going to do, because there's always hope in what God is going to do. Dance a little jig. That's what I'm saying. It's all right. We'll probably make fun of you, but it's okay. It is good to enjoy the things in life. It's good. God is not the cosmic killjoy. View it as the gift that it is from God, the blessings that he has. The screw tape letters. Anybody know who C.S. Lewis is? Anybody ever read the screw tape letters or listened to them? It, it's, 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 it's insane. Only C.S. Lewis could have written it. So just real quick. It's, it's a fictional drama, and it's written by C.S. Lewis, this famous Christian author. And it's from the viewpoint of the devil. He is the screw tape, that Mr. Screw Tape. He is the screw tape. 
And he's teaching his demons how to effectively harm and control us. So when it talks about the enemy in the screw tape letters, it's talking about God because it's from the devil's viewpoint. Okay, So the whole thing is an exposition by a brilliant man based on biblical principles of what Satan does to hurt and distract and cause us to be ineffective followers. Uh, and it's nearly indescribable to dive into the depths and lengths that Satan goes into to confuse us and abuse and discourage and devour mankind. But in the screw tape, excuse me, in the screw tape letters, it says this. Screw tape says this to one of his demons. Pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form is the enemy's, that, that's God, enemy's ground. We've won many a soul through pleasure. But it is his, as in God's, invention, not ours, not Satan and his demons. He, God, made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce a single one. Satan cannot produce pleasure. He can't because pleasure is good and good things come from the Father. And that's it. He can't produce it. Not true pleasure, not true celebration. He can only distort it and pervert it. That's what he does. He takes what God made for good and then convinces us to distort it, to pervert it, to change it into something else because it will be a little better if you do it this way because God didn't know what he was doing when he told us how to live. He had no idea. He only made us and created this entire thing. Celebration. Celebration of our faith, our faith in the one true God, the Lord of hosts, Jesus, the Savior of all mankind, can make humble the highest of man. And it can indescribably, indescribably lift up the well-being of the lowliest of man when we celebrate our faith together. We must take time to celebrate. God knows the importance of this. He set it up in the laws. He set it up for the law, in the laws for the nation of Israel. He sure did. So, real quick on this, I tried to cut this out and God wouldn't let me. This is Deuteronomy 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Just read along with me as I read. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. They hadn't set up, they hadn't gone into the promised land yet. Where God sets up the place for us to go celebrate for us to worship, do this there, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Why celebrate? Because you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Verse 24 continues, but if that place is too distant, the grace of God, if it's too far away, if it's too distant, you have been blessed by the Lord your God, and you cannot carry your tithe. If it's too much trouble, because you've been blessed too much to carry all this stuff to the place of worship, because the Lord uh, has, where he's chosen to put his name is too far away. Verse 25, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord will, your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like. Cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. They didn't have land, or they could do that, so they were supposed to take care of the priestly Levites in their towns. 
happened in Jerusalem. Now, you can't take stuff out of script, out of context, and just make it say what you want to say. But, but this is clearly in context. God says, "Take your tithe, go to the place of worship, and enjoy it before me. Eat and drink and have a good time together to remember." That all of this that you see, Israel, this whole promised land, you didn't do jack squat for it. I gave it to you. I gave it to you. The crops were already there. The animals were already there. Everything that you're enjoying was already there. I gave it to you. So take a tenth of it every year and have a nice big celebration. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God's saying that it's okay to party, and to get hammered. That's not what he's saying. Because if he's saying that, then the rest of Scripture where he says not to do that is canceled out. You can just go through the book of Proverbs and see how many times it tells you you're stupid if you get drunk a lot. Because it causes a lot of problems. That's not what he's saying. Okay, But you've got to think about the time in which we're in. To, to have something as nice as, as, as and, and what they drank back then is nothing compared to that. The strength of the drinks that we have nowadays is nothing. But to have a little wine, to have a fermented drink, to, ha to have nice food, to take the time to not have to work and just survive and take the time to just enjoy what God has given them, it was a big deal. He's saying, take the time. Take a rest from the fruit of your labors, the fruit of the labors that God has blessed you with. Take time to celebrate it with God. It is good to enjoy things in life. View it as the gift it is from God. Not all the time. Some of the time. Look at how, look at how God set this up for the nation of Israel. Okay, We're going to go through how God set this up for the nation of Israel. You know, the nation of Israel is the people that, <laughs> that wished for death or to go back to slavery. Like days after where we started in Exodus 15. They literally see the army of of Egypt get wiped out before their eyes. They sing a song, they celebrate, and days later, they're complaining to Moses. Days later, Moses, at least we had meat to eat in Egypt, bro. Why did you bring us out of here to die in the desert? This is terrible. I'd rather be a slave back in Israel. I mean, back in Egypt. This is awful. It's like, sounds familiar. <laughs> Those people is who we're talking about. So as they're moving in to becoming the nation in the, in the land that God has given them, he sets up a rhythm for them to follow the promised land. When they enter the promised land, this rhythm, that a celebration of life built into the fabric of life because he knows how hard-headed and stiff-necked and forgetful they are. So real quick, the seven festivals of Israel. There's seven festivals, ordained time that you stop working and you celebrate. Something that God has done. The Passover, the unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. Now, some of them go by different names. The, the tabernacles, maybe booths, um, things like that. But, but these are what they are called. All seven of these are special Sabbaths. It means even if it doesn't fall on Saturday on the Sabbath, then it's still a Sabbath. You rest and you celebrate something specific of God. The Passover reminded the Israelites of the deliverance from Egypt. When, when, when the angel of death passed over their homes and didn't kill their firstborn because they had taken the sacrificial lamb and spread the blood over their doorposts, and all the firstborn of Egypt 
all the firstborn sons of Egypt died as the angel of death passed over, but as he passed over the house with the blood of the perfect lamb, can you see what that's painting a picture of? Holy cow. God's word is amazing. Angel of death just passed over their homes. This is the, the final plague that, that, that Pharaoh finally said, all right, get out of here. I had enough of y'all. Get gone. That's the Passover. Unleavened bread reminded the Israelites of their quick departure from Egypt because he was likely to change his mind, and he did. So they, they eat bread that's not leavened, uh, and they clear leaven out of their house, yeast out of their house. It's a, it's a big thing. Passover was the first day of the, it's a week-long celebration. Passover is the first day, and then for six more days, they celebrate with no work. The only work they do those six, six days is food preparation and sacrifices. It's a week off, ordained by God, from work. That's pretty cool. In a time where you had to work all the time just to produce food and water and the things you needed to survive. Not, not the work that we consider work today, not to, not to downgrade anything, but I'm talking about work. They got, to, they got to rest from that. It was revolutionary. First fruits was to celebrate the first visible ripening of the barley harvest. Two of these are with, one's with the barley harvest, one's with the wheat harvest. So it's set up during, it's an agricultural society. It's set up with the agricultural schedule. So this is in the spring, you celebrate the first fruits. Then there's Pentecost. Pentecost was a reminder of God revealing the law of Moses at Mount Sinai. This, was, uh, this, this celebration is 50 days after first fruits. That's why it's called Pentecost in the Greek, Pena for 50. So it's also called the Festival of Weeks. Trumpets is the first fall feast, okay? It's the first fall feast. There is a time in between Pentecost and trumpets. So there's quite a bit of time every year between those two. Why? Because you're anticipating this. You'll understand this when, we, when I, the next thing that we get to. You're anticipating something. You're looking forward to something. Something is coming. It's the celebration of the Jewish civil new year. It's when their new year takes place. Uh, That you blow loud horn blasts. This is why we say trumpets. They actually use a ram's horn to do it. Uh, In biblical times, this reminded people to reflect and to repent because the day of atonement was near. It was coming soon. The next thing is the day of atonement. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. This was marked as the day once a year when the high priest, we've talked about this a dozen times, high priest would atone for Israel's sin. Okay? There was a sacrifice of blood for the sin of the nation to restore right relationship. Because when something is wronged in a relationship, it takes sacrifice to fix it. That'll preach. Whew. And then tabernacles. This is the final one of the year. To remember them in the 40 years that Israel wandered around the desert in the wilderness uh, until they came into the promised land. So it's a reminder that life is temporary. But even in that difficulty, God provides. Now, these, past, these feasts all have a prof- prophetic application as well. Real quick, the Passover. Some of these have already been fulfilled. Some of them will be fulfilled. Passover, obviously that's Christ's crucifixion. They literally have the Passover meal the night before he's crucified. And he says, from now on, it's not this blood and this bread. It's my body is the bread, and my blood is the blood for the new covenant. In other words, Moses' thing is complete. Now it's my thing. Pretty cool thing. Unleavened bread, Christ the sinless sacrifice, without leaven, was in the tomb. Leaven is often, yeast is often a, a, a depiction of evil and sin in the scriptures. First fruits, 
Christ was alive, seen as the first fruits of the resurrection of dead. He, he is called that in Scripture, the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. Then Pentecost. Goodness gracious, we ought to know what Pentecost is. Acts chapter 2, the birth of the Christian church. This is when they're praying. Notice how God shows up when his people get together and pray. They're praying, and the Holy Spirit descends upon them, and they walk out and speak in languages that they don't actually know. They're speaking like their brain is thinking English, and what's coming out is Greek or whatever. Their brain is thinking Aramaic, and what's coming out is, 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 uh, is uh, Latin, like whatever. Like people were hearing it in their own, own languages. That was Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, and then Peter preaches, and 3,000 people from all over the known world get saved and then go back and start churches. Cool. It's a really cool thing. Scripture is really neat. You ought to spend about, I don't know, at least four days a week in it. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be nice. It'll be fun. Now, the last three haven't happened yet. We're looking forward to those. Just like the Jews were looking forward from Pentecost to the Feast of Trumpets, we're now looking to the Feast of Trumpets. This feast carries the imagery of the return of Christ and the first resurrection. What's going to happen? How are we going to know that Christ is returning? Trumpet's going to sound. Man, God's word is awesome. Looking forward to the Day of Atonement. This is the picture of the judgment, the tribulation. God's a long-suffering, patient God. But there will be a reckoning. There will be a reckoning. Whew. There will be a reckoning. And then you got tabernacles. This is the picture of the future reign of the Messiah. Temporary life, looking towards eternal life. Starts with a thousand-year reign on this earth with the Messiah and his saints. Those who have placed faith in him. It's going to be cool. That's how heaven starts. A thousand perfect years on this earth before a new heaven and new earth is made. It's really cool. Following Jesus is really cool. Purim and Hanukkah. I've got six pages on this and I'm going to skip it because we're already running low on time. These are two more holidays that have become part of what it is to be a Jew. Purim is celebrating uh, uh, Esther, the, the, the victory of Esther over the Persians, and Hanukkah is celebrating the victory of the Maccabees over the Greeks in 167 B.C. It started in 167 B.C., it finished in 164, and, and oil that was only supposed to last for a day lasted for eight days. Did you know that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah? We forget about the fact that Jesus was Jewish. The Jews were good at celebrating. They still are. They're good at it because God told them to. Man, I really wanted to talk about Hanukkah, but that's all right. That was more for fun than anything else. So to finish up, Why should I celebrate? Why should you, a follower of Jesus, celebrate? If you wrap all that up into four nice, neat little things. The first thing is, it's a reminder of God's blessings. When you take time to celebrate, it reminds you that God has blessed you. The years of life, and the older I get, the more I find this to be true. The years of life, they pass super fast. They pass by super fast. But the days can be excruciatingly long sometimes. And, and we get trapped in a cycle sometimes of, of rough days. Or sometimes just one really bad day. And it's so easy to forget how good God is. How powerful he is. The blessings that he's placed in your life. Regardless of the lot of life that you are in, there are blessings in your life when you take time to notice them and celebrate them. We can get this whiny, negative, 
thing that kind of leads to a whole host of other problems. We looked at Exodus 15 earlier, right? Moses, Moses and the Israelites, Miriam and sister-in-law, they danced and they sang and all that, the destruction of the Egyptian army. And then, like I said, just days later, take us back to Israel, this is too hard. It really gets on my nerves. Have y'all ever noticed I don't do a deal well with whiners? Sorry. Number two, it's a time of rest and refreshing. It's a time of rest and refreshing. God gave the Sabbath weekly, and it was revolutionary to mankind. They were like, take a day off. The surrounding nations were like, take a day off. You can't take a day off. You got to work. If you want to get some in this life, you got to work. You got to go get it. Isn't it funny that the one restaurant chain in this company, in this country, that takes Sunday off is also the most prosperous fast food restaurant in the country? Did y'all know that? Chick-fil-A is by far the most prosperous restaurant in the country, and they only are open six days a week. It's almost like God means this stuff. It's a day of rest from normal work. Is it still a law? Not morally. It's not a law. The Sabbath is not a moral law anymore. But it's still a fact, of, it's still a fact that, that it's the way things were made. The fact that we need regularly scheduled rest, true rest and recovery. Most of, most of the time nowadays, most of the time our Saturdays, which is the actual Sabbath, or our Sundays, the day we celebrate the Lord's resurrection, the Lord's day, most of the time, they're more busy than our regular Monday through Fridays are. And we wonder why we're anxious and stressed and depressed and need medication for this. And I can't get a hold of this. And my life is spiraling out of control here. Maybe we need to slow down a little bit and trust God for his provision. I can't take that day off. I got to work. I'm not downplaying Having a job and your boss telling you you got to work. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not. And I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just saying God set up the rhythm of life for a reason. And he set it up to have a weekly rest. And we're not doing a very good job of doing that. Celebrate a weekly Sabbath rest. And special occasions. A time of rest and recovery for our soul and our bodies. We need to recover often. And then we need to take time to really recover at special times. Just like, I'll give you an example personally. We had the night of worship the last Sunday night of January. I was on a spiritual high for like 10 days after that. Like literally. Nothing, like nothing phased me at all for at least a week because of how refreshing that time together, taking a special time together to sing and pray and hear testimonies from people that are, that are striving to follow Christ. It was amazing. Third thing, we've got two more things. It's a time to bond in relationship. Celebration is a time to bond in relationship. The last two years, a group of men, some from this church and some from other places, have traveled to Dallas for the Right Now Conference. And we hear some of the best preaching on the planet. It is amazing. And we experience thousands of people lifting up the name of the Lord in song, praising and worshiping. With our hearts and our voices. We eat. And we eat pretty good. We definitely eat a lot. We hang out at the house together. 
Now, some of these men I barely knew before we started doing this. And now I consider them brothers, like literally brothers. I would literally drop what I was doing to assist them at any time I needed something. When we take time to stop the normal, stop the regular, and engage in a special time together, a celebration, special bonds happen. Special relationships happen. It's practically miraculous how fast these bonds can happen when we take the time to celebrate what God is doing. We need these friendships, church. We need to be close together as a body of believers. We need to be bonded together, tightly together. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do if you only ever hang out or talk to or eat with or spend time with the same group of folks all the time. Nothing wrong with that. But it helps if we get outside our little clicky, clicky groups. Our click, I can't say that. Click, click, click. Clicky groups. The ones that we just naturally draw to. Get outside of that group a little bit. Spend some time with somebody else. So I'll challenge you. Y'all love my challenges. Challenge you for today. Look for somebody you barely know. We're about to have a potluck. Perfect opportunity. Look for somebody you barely know today. Sit with them. Sit with them and have a meal. Talk to them. Ask them if there's something that you could be praying for them about. And watch God do his thing. Or don't. And complain. Number four, it's a time to encounter God's presence in a special way. I already talked about worship, uh, worship night the other day, the other day, a couple weeks ago. Church camp. Why is church camp so awesome? Because you take time to focus on God. And he manifests himself in a special way when that happens. Mission trips, things like that. It, there's just amazing things that happen. God manifests himself in a special way. We'll finish up with this. Celebrations are a special time of restoration. We rest from the normal physical activities to be restored physically and every other way. Celebrate, church. Celebrate. We will celebrate together. We will take time together to make things special together for what God has done. Take time away from the mundane. You individually need to have a Sabbath rest on the regular. Get away from normal stuff. Slow down. Rest, recover. God will handle it. Enjoy your relationships. Enjoy good food and good, good meals together. Enjoy the good times. Allow God to speak life back into you in those celebrations because the world tries to consistently beat that life out of you. Let God do his thing and speak it back into you. Be wise, follower of Jesus. Celebrate and be restored. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll finish in song, and then we'll go celebrate a little bit. If you have some business you'd like to tend to, now will be the time. Altar's open. Father, I thank you for today and for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you that you set up the rhythms of life. I thank you that, God, you are wise enough to give us the way to celebrate. I'm thank I thank you that you're a God that actually likes to have fun. God, may we, may we not picture you as the cranky old man in the sky but can we picture you as the fun loving God that you are God teach us your ways teach us to be righteous and help us to know that taking time to celebrate you and what you've done helps strengthen us in that it helps strengthen us to follow you well Lord 
if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, as, as Lord and Savior,